Shall we pray before we look at God's word together? Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that as we look at it now, you would teach us new things of you. New things of the Lord Jesus. New things about your kingdom. That we might go from here and serve you wholeheartedly in the days and weeks and months coming. Amen. If you want to uh, follow this in the Bible, it's page uh, 1046, um, the parables. No one would argue that the last few months or even years in the life of this country have been anything other than turbulent. Whatever side of the political fence that you land, it's been a hard few years. We still don't know what's going to happen about Brexit, we still don't know who our new prime minister is going to be. But amongst all this turbulence, we've had a 94-year-old queen who has faithfully ruled the country. And she has stood firm through all the ups and downs of her own family and life around her. And she's welcomed and said goodbye to a whole load of prime ministers. But I still wonder sometimes if she just loses her call climbs into bed with Prince Philip at night and rants and gets frustrated about the state of her kingdom and her people. In these little parables in Luke 13, Jesus is concerned only with the kingdom of God and he wants people to know what it's like. Here, Leaders brag about what country has the most power or who's the one country we should be scared of or who dominates the world with their technology or their wealth. But the kingdom of God is the opposite of all that. And Jesus describes it as unremarkable and yet with an incredible worldwide impact through every generation, through every person and through every nation that recognizes and lives within it. You see, for hundreds of years, Israel had wanted to be ruled by a king. And all the other nations were ruled by kings. And so they asked God. And God graciously appointed King Saul, who, was, who started faithfully to live under God's rule. And yet, who, like all the other appointed kings after him, rebelled against God spectacularly and sought to live his own way. He didn't obey God's rule. And neither did the people. In fact, there was no king that was truly faithful, not even David, who was called a man after God's heart. Even he blew it and went his own way. But then comes Jesus. God became man, and he began his ministry, calling the people to repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And as God's son, who flung stars into space and created and sustains the world with everything in it, he is the one true faithful king. And as the sinless one, the perfect man, the perfect God, he's the only one who can describe what God's kingdom is like. He knows because he's king of the kingdom. God's kingdom is his 
and it's his home. And he's the only one qualified to explain to others what it is. And he was sent by his father to do just that. So as Jesus preaches and teaches and heals the sick and casts out demons and calms the storm, challenges the Pharisees, shows compassion to the outcast and the broken, and finally dies and rises again, he demonstrates what God's kingdom is like and that it is truly near in him. And when we look at Jesus, we see the kingdom of God in person and he invites us to see and to belong to that kingdom and live as kingdom people. In verse 17 of chapter 13, the people respond to the work of Christ and they're delighted with all the wonderful things he's doing. They see the kingdom of God and they're drawn to him. But the Pharisees and the rulers don't. And they're angry because they see Jesus as a blasphemer, breaking God's law, healing on the Sabbath. You see, the kingdom of God is not what the Pharisees expected. And it's often not what we expect. I wonder how many of you uh, get home from communion in the evening in enough time to watch the Antiques Roadshow. Or perhaps catch another one of those programs during the week. There was a guy who brought an old car sign, a metal car sign, to the Antiques Roadshow. And he kept it in his garage um, with all the junk. And it was scratched and unimpressive. And the crowd thought it would be worth about 200, 300 pounds. When the expert revealed that this was in fact worth 15,000 pounds, it was one of those speechless moments. The guy just could not speak at all. It didn't look like much, this car sign. It would have been so easy to write it off and stick it in a car boot sale. But it changed, it was so precious, it changed the owner's life. It was that special. And the kingdom of God is not what people imagine a kingdom to look like. It might seem unremarkable. In fact, many write Christianity and the church off because they just don't see the kingdom. And they don't know the king of the kingdom. And they haven't understood the wonderful gift of Jesus, who's made it possible for everyone, everywhere throughout history, to be forgiven for their sin. And by trusting him, come into this kingdom now and forever. Jesus challenges the world. He challenges us. And firstly, he does that in this passage because his kingdom has remarkable power. Jesus describes the kingdom of God as being like the tiniest mustard seed and like yeast, a really common ingredient for bread making. And it's hard to imagine his humble illustration would have gone down very well with those religious leaders. But I think he uses things that the first century Palestinian would have understood on purpose, deliberately. Because they're the ones that are responding to him. They're the ones that are drawn to him and amazed by him. And the mustard seed may not look like much, but it be could become a tree. It could grow to 10 foot in size. And yeast may have just been taken for granted in bread making. But Jesus describes the impact, the powerful impact it has on dough when it's kneaded into it. The kingdom of God has remarkable power. 
To the religious leaders, Jesus looked really unimpressive. And yet Jesus draws 12 unremarkable people, unremarkable fishermen alongside him. And from those tiny beginnings, the worldwide Christian church now exceeds 2 billion people. It started in such a tiny way. And yet the gospel of the Lord Jesus spread and continues to do so. And I know that we're faced in this country with statistics in, of churches closing, and we can sometimes feel quite depressed about it, or we could look at a church divided. But the kingdom of God is still powerful. Across the world, people are coming to faith every day. In some places, numerous people every day. And people are, letting, are putting their lives at stake for the sake of the kingdom of God and for the Lord Jesus. Because the gospel is a gospel of power, the power of God to save lives. Daniel in the Old Testament was taken captive along with lots of God's people and sent off into exile in Babylon. And the king at the time was called Nebuchadnezzar. And he was considered at that time to be a really powerful king. And one day he calls Daniel to him and asks him to interpret a dream he's had where the king was represented as a huge, powerful tree, impressive, strong, and deeply rooted. And yet Daniel interprets the tree, dream and declares that the true and greatest king rules over all kingdoms and that he is the sovereign most high God who will take down King Nebuchadnezzar and only restore his kingdom to him when he acknowledges that heaven rules and that the God of Israel is the true, powerful, and everlasting king. Perhaps the religious leaders of the day would be horrified that Jesus likened the kingdom of God to an insignificant mustard seed, rather than a powerful, strong cedar tree, which would have been a much more acceptable image for them. But the point is this, that there's no early earthly power that God cannot have lord over and, does, and cannot fell. The kingdom of God may look weak and insignificant, but the God who made the universe and everything in it, who brings the sun up in the morning and who sent his son to invite people in, is more powerful than all other kingdom and uses astonishingly people like you and me to take his kingdom his gospel across the world. We often doubt the power of the kingdom of God, I think. Perhaps we feel we're not seeing answered prayer. Perhaps people we know and love are hurting or not becoming Christians, or we just feel dry and struggling in our faith. But look at where we've come from. Look at God's word. Discover the ways in which the gospel of Jesus has spread through Paul, through the early church, through the centuries past, and continues to do so. Last week, I went on a retreat um, before I got ordained. And weirdly, it was at Bath Spa University, where I'm going to work. So it didn't really feel quite like a retreat. And it was also 10 minutes from home. But as I walked around the grounds, I met a girl. And I sat on a bench next to this student. She was from South Africa. And we got chatting, and she was telling me her story about her family and her struggling relationship with God. We were able to pray together and encourage one another. 
before she flew back to Pretoria this week. And these small, short encounters and conversations may feel like nothing, but God uses them to further his kingdom. We may think that two minutes in the playground or over coffee at work or with a member of our family is not going to make a spiritual difference at all, not going to make a jot of difference. But this parable tells us something completely different because from tiny beginnings, God's kingdom will grow and spread through the world and people and nations will be drawn to it. Look at verse 19. It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. As that mustard seed grows to become a tree, birds can safely come and rest in its branches. And people are drawn into the kingdom of God, and when they do, they're found, they find a safe place a place where they're loved and cared for and protected for who they are as a child of God by their heavenly Father. A bird finds shelter in the branches of a tree. How much more will we find safety and a home when we come into God's kingdom? And trees in Scripture sometimes represent nations of twos too. So it seems that Jesus is suggesting that not just individuals, but whole nations can find a home in God's kingdom. Doesn't that inspire us to pray? To pray for nations, to pray for individuals, that they might seek the Lord Jesus, that they might come into God's kingdom and find eternal safety and protection in a new home with God's care for us. So not only is the kingdom of God like a mustard seed which powerfully spreads through the world and draws others to itself, to security and safety of its branches, the passage says that the kingdom of God is also like yeast. And it's saying that his kingdom has remarkable breadth. It has power, but it also has breadth. I don't know if you ever make bread. Um, It's really hard work. And I don't mean if you just chuck all the ingredients into the machine and press the button, which I know a lot of people do, but actually when you combine the ingredients and knead the dough and, and, and mix that yeast thoroughly through the dough. I've given it a go. I'm not great, but I have seen my little ball of dough double in size because I've kneaded that yeast all the way through it. This woman in this story was making a lot of bread, and she only needed a tiny amount of yeast to affect the dough. She just needed to make sure that it had spread all the way through. And then she would make bread not just enough for her house, but maybe for 150 people. The kingdom of God is like that yeast, because when we come into God's kingdom and seek him, The Holy Spirit comes to live within us and work to change us from the inside out and make us more like Christ. And the values of his kingdom change us. We begin to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We begin to forgive, to learn to forgive. We can offer compassion to those around us. We can seek to care for the poor and fight for justice. We stand up for those that are marginalized and broken, just as Jesus did 
in that passage with the crippled woman. It's not easy. And sometimes we don't feel we're getting very far. But it's a lifetime of change by the grace of God. And it is true that the, the joy is that the kingdom of God by God's spirit is at work in the life of the Christian. And then others see and are drawn to Jesus and to his kingdom. The yeast works through the whole dough. There's no area where it doesn't work. And we need God to be at work in the whole of our lives. Not to keep areas from him or from his spirit. Not to hide our ungodly behavior in the dark or just pretend that the kingdom of God has nothing to say about our speech or how we spend our time or what we watch on telly or how we treat others. I haven't had a chance yet to walk the boundary of the parish, to meet the people who live and work in the area. But it is going to be an incredible privilege to spend the next few years with you and getting to know you and the community around us as we all seek together to live out God's kingdom with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family, with our work colleagues. How incredible a witness to the community that we're in is it for this church to daily seek to live for Christ and to ask God's spirit to affect every area of our lives? How the kingdom of God will spread as people are drawn to Jesus. And our call as members of God's kingdom is to pass on the wonderful news of the gospel, to invite others to respond to Jesus and faithfully bear witness wherever we find ourselves. During Jesus' ministry, he frequently said the kingdom of God is near or at hand. And that was because he was near. This seemingly unimpressive carpenter's son had come to heal the sick and set free those that were bound in their illness. But more importantly, he came to heal and set free those that are suffering from the sin of, sickness of sin in their lives to bring his kingdom, not just to the outcast of society, but to all who come to him, to the all of Israel who he longed to come to him, for all of us, for the whole world, centuries later. The kingdom of God may look unremarkable, but Jesus looked unremarkable. Isaiah said that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And yet no one in history has done anything more remarkable than Jesus Christ. He died a brutal death on a cross to take the punishment that you and I deserve for ignoring him as king. And by rising again, he made it possible for us to be forgiven, to be given a new life as his children living in his kingdom with him as our loving, generous ruler. He has power to forgive and save. And this story is one of power and of breadth. And it has spread through history. And as unimpressive and as flawed and broken as we often feel, the powerful kingdom of God is unstoppable. It will continue to grow. It will continue to spread. And not because of us, but because of him. And as we find our voices and tell others and live out the kingdom of God in our everyday lives.
Amen.